Hello, and welcome back to episode four, season three of the Silver Bullet Saga. I'm your host, Ryan Vonderhaar. We took a week off last week due to the Big Ten's regulations, we'll call it. Uh, uh, with COVID protocol, Maryland decided to preemptively cancel the game. Uh, and it wasn't until late last week that the Big Ten came out with a new ruling that now, moving forward, teams that are still ed- eligible to play uh, whose games were canceled due to the other team's uh, COVID restrictions will be able to reschedule with a Big Ten opponent the week of the game. So looking forward, that's good news for us as Ohio State fans. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more this episode. But first, our presenting sponsor in the studio today. I actually have a guest to uh, come on and talk about our presenting sponsor today. I'll go ahead and let him take over for certified Jersey beef. You said your name was Tony? Yeah, Tony. All right. Yeah. So, see, we, we you know, here at Certified Jersey Beef, you know, uh, you know, we're not so excited about uh, sponsoring a Buckeye podcast, you know. You see, uh, yeah, there at uh, the Buckeyes uh, quarterback of vegan, so not taking too much liking to the certified Jersey beef that we're putting out there. But anyway, we're here to sponsor the podcast. And uh, you know what? A lot of folks say they're happy cows in California. I think that's a bunch of bulloni. They're right here, New Jersey. So if you want fresh, protein-filled beef for your kitchen table, don't miss certified Jersey beef. Happiest cows live in New Jersey. All right, Tony, thank you. Um, see yourself out. Okay, yep. Nope, leave that. Okay. All right, bye. Okay, so back to the episode. Um, first, we're going to talk about the Rutgers breakdown. And as always, or at least most of the time, I'm joined by my uh, uh, special co-host, Adam Vonderar. Adam, how are we living? You're an esteemed big twin brother, born first, uh, usually on the podcast, introduced last, but happy to be here, Ryan. Adam, against Rutgers now two weeks ago is is a bit of a tale of two halves, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Did you see the first half? That was incredible. And what about the second half? I don't want to talk about the second half. I I think uh, there's not much to be said. Let's just talk about the starters and the good and leave the past in the past. What do you think? No, I think that's great. And I honestly, you know, as an Ohio State analyst, as you know that I am, uh, this podcast is taking the stance that the real Ohio State team that's locked in and ready to roll, especially with the big boys as we get down the road here, kind of showed itself in the first half there two weeks ago uh, against Rutgers. Uh, Justin Fields, once again – if, if you're going to build a brand for him here in 2020, accuracy is going to be right there at the top of the list. Uh, you know, 24 for 28, 314 yards through the air, um, un, a pretty great day. And as far as our passing offense, you know, is concerned, uh, n- there's really not too much to worry about. In fact, quite a few highlights, you know, as you, as you get down to our receiver list, we had, I believe, four receivers – Five receivers, I'm sorry, or no, four receivers with touchdowns against Rutgers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and Jeremy Rucker. Ding, ding, another tight end touchdown, if we remember Jay from Parts Unknown giving us that prediction a couple weeks ago. Um, I like what the tight, I like to see uh, the tight ends getting worked into the spread offense when we're, you know, going through the air. Um, a better day out of the running backs, you know, split carries for Sermon and Teague. 
12 carries each, both of them, or Sermon with 68 yards and, and Teague with, with 60 and a touchdown. Um, you know, it's, it, it kind of feels like on offense, at least, we're kind of getting a bit of a repetitive story uh, here with an absolutely elite passing game and then a running game that's really leaving something on the table, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 100%. And if you look at the stats this week, you see uh, both the starting running backs averaged, well, Trey with 5.7 yards per carry and then Master Dig with five. Um, I don't think that really tells the tale of uh, when they were trying to establish the run. They had a lot of trouble initially trying to get some push, trying to, you know, make a guy miss. A lot of guys, a lot of times tackled in the backfield or tackled, you know, right at the line. Um, obviously, Rutgers, you know, the talent is going to wear out eventually. And I think that's what shows on the stat sheet. But, you know, uh, I think it, uh, if we look ahead in the season, we haven't seen the true uh, unveiling of the running game if it is going to show up. It, it, you know, Ryan, you and I have seen several seasons during our time at Ohio State where it was more. I mean, 2018 comes to mind specifically that we were pretty much a one-dimensional offense. Uh, I don't think we're anywhere near that this year, just because Justin Fields offers the ability to run along with two pretty good running backs and a great offensive line. But it's still, it's just not quite what it was last year yet as far as the run game. No, and 100% agree with everything you said. Uh, and you kind of hammered on the one point I did want to bring up, which is Justin Fields. It, it definitely seems like the offense is leaving you know, if we were playing Uno, you might describe this as having two uh, wild plus four cards that you're kind of waiting to use whenever you want to. Uh, and I, I would describe that as the caliber of Justin Fields on the ground. Um, you know, as far as him, when he decides to run or if it's a designed play where he's, he, we know we need a first down and we need Justin to get us five or six yards, we really haven't seen many plays called like that, you know, through this point in the season. And I think that that's definitely intentional. And a little bit of the reason that I'm excited for this game coming up this weekend, which is a ding, ding, top 10 matchup, Adam, top 10 matchup, Indiana. Um, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Uh, I think that, you know, potentially we might have the opportunity to see them open up the, uh, the offensive playbook a little bit, especially as far as running uh, Justin Fields is concerned. So, you know, a couple of reasons to be excited. I, I'm completely offensively. I could not be more optimistic for this team. I think that we've seen glimpses of greatness, and I think that there's a lot of greatness on the field, especially with the young receivers and just how deep, literally, the whole receiving group is—not just the wide receivers, but the tight ends. Seen some awesome success out of them. Um, but again, you know, the one point of concern has been the rushing game. I would like to think that as Justin Fields becomes more of a threat for other defenses to have to take care of. Uh, it's really going to open it up for the other running backs we have in the backfield. Oh, absolutely. Good to agree more. Um, other side of the ball, maybe a, a bigger point of concern in the Rutgers game, obviously defensively. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a horrible day. And obviously, uh, I don't know how many folks said this two weeks ago, but this is not, you know, the Rutgers team of years past. Greg Schiano has them inspired. We said it going into the week on the podcast um, that, you know, I believe they had 12 transfers this offseason to just literally transfer in and start, um, you know, which is literally half the team, you know, if you're talking about starters on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they're making a difference. And don't look past them this weekend uh, against that team up north. I think that they're going to actually make a little bit of noise and potentially win the game. So we will see what happens there. But Seriously, I mean, the defense, pretty, pretty stout, 
you know, first half um, only given up, it was, I believe, three points in, in the first half, which has kind of been the story this season as far as two different defenses. Now you can put that up to, you know, this being the COVID year and less time to prepare or maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of hubris on some of the, the starting defensemen that we have. Uh, as we get up by, you know, in last, last week we get up by 35 points at half, you get to be a little bit lackadaisical in the second half. And I think that we might have seen uh, some of the symptoms of that. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't want to harp too much on it, but the biggest thing I think is that Rutgers has a new energy with Chiano coming back. Uh, also, he opened up the playbook against his former Ohio State uh, program just to show that I, I think you went into the locker room at halftime and said, guys, obviously we're not going to beat this team, but let's try and win the second half. And they did to their credit. I mean, 18 points in the fourth quarter, 14 points for Ohio state in the second half. Uh, it was uh 24 to 14 uh, Rutgers for the second half. So that's a great, uh, Oh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, not an emotional victory, but like something they could take up to work on. Um, but again, you're not playing against the starters other than, Justin Fields and some of the offense stayed in for most of the game, but the defense, there was a lot of subs coming in, which is good because, you know, we don't get the non-conference games this year to get freshman reps in. we got to get it in during the Big Ten. And um, I, I would say as a whole, the Big Ten's, uh, well, <laughs> some blue chip programs have fallen off, but some of these lower programs have, have shown a lot of promise this year, you know, looking ahead to Indiana specifically, but, um, it's just a weird year. I don't know. I, I think I'm the first person to say that, but definitely a weird year. Thank you for the input on that. I love the double entendre with calling blue chip programs uh, kind of on the downward trend, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but, you know, definitely an impressive performance out of Rutgers, and I'll give them props. And I believe that's why we, I, uh, last two weeks ago on the podcast, I believe I took the points, but I did tell folks to stay away from this game because it's just a weird one. And drop off in the second half is going to be natural if you're over – if you're um, underestimating your opponent, Rutgers had a ton of fight, and you got to give them a lot of props um, on the way they played. Uh, moving on from that, um, I wanted to do a quick segment, Adam, and I mentioned it in the introduction. Potential Big Ten matchups you'd like to see uh, under the new rules in case there are any more cancellations. So, you know, you get a look at Ohio State's schedule for the rest of the year. Obviously, we've got the big, uh, the big game, the game scheduled there in December, but you know, uh, and, and obviously that one's even going to be on the line because we don't think that team's going to want to play us all that much based on the way their season's gone so far. But standing in between um, Indiana and that game, we still have Illinois and Michigan State on the on the schedule. Um, if either of those games were to be canceled, Adam. Um, we'll just say Illinois for, for example, if Illinois, you know, has some COVID problems and they decide that uh, they're not going to be able to play, what's a big 10 matchup you'd like to see take that place in week six? I think a lot of Buckeye fans would agree. Um, there's, there's about two teams that they would want to see in that program and that schedule slot that didn't make it on our schedule for this season. And they'd both be revenge games. I would like to personally see Iowa just because they, they've looked pretty good through these first couple games of the season. And, I think it'd be a great time to to, to enact enact some re revenge as the Buckeyes as to what happened back in uh, I don't know if it was 2017 or 2018. But you got it. Yeah. 2017, yeah. Or, or Purdue, obviously. Now Purdue not probably would not be nearly as good of a game, but I think a lot of Buckeye fans would like to see that anyway. What do you think? 
No, I definitely agree with both those. That'd be my one and two. If I was going to pick a third one, I think most folks would think this is obvious, but there's just something about, you know, kind of halting the hype on a young coach when you definitely know you have the players to do it, especially when there's a lot of hype around a program. And obviously that would be Minnesota this year. Um, they've had an interesting here first couple of weeks and definitely I would say maybe have been a little disappointing to those Gopher fans out there that were super excited about PJ Fleck. But, you know, if something were to happen to Michigan State or Illinois, I would be more than happy with uh, playing a game over there uh, with the Beavers. Um, you know, a couple things uh, as we start to get into – well, okay, we'll talk about this first. Uh, Fields, Adam, uh, going into last week, moved into the favorite slot to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, and then we lose a game, which is what took Trevor Lawrence kind of out of that first spot. What do you think we need to see out of Justin Fields for the rest of the season or even just games played uh, in order to, number one, keep him in the conversation, but number two, push him over that mountaintop to win? Well, honestly, Ryan, just looking at it here, I don't know what more you can ask. I think it's less on Justin Fields at this point and more on the teams that we're going to face. We, we can't afford any more canceled games. The guy's looking at uh, 11 touchdowns on the year, no interceptions, quarterback ranking of 96.4. That's, that's first in all of college football. I don't really know what more you want from a Heisman contender. Um, great, great story as a, being a transfer from Georgia and you know coming in as the guy here. I think it would be a heck of a story for the Heisman uh, conversation. But, again, I don't think it's on him as much as just teams that we face cannot have COVID outbreaks or else he's not going to get a chance to show how good he is. I 100% agree. And, the, and the, the biggest part of the argument that you just started, I think, is when you start thinking about just players and the Heisman conversation, right, as we get into a season, a lot of times the, the biggest issue for your top Heisman contenders is expectations, right? So we had that last year with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, and Joe Burrow kind of comes out of nowhere with no expectations, blows everybody out of the water, and tells a terrific story when it comes to winning the Heisman. This year, you have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who are kind of the, you know, the, the stable of quarterbacks who most folks across the country would say one of those two guys are going to get it. Now, I would say the difference between the two, number one, I think totally Trevor is going to probably play more games totally uh, when, when, we, when we look back on this season, even though he missed two doing, due to having COVID. Uh, but the difference being with Justin Fields is that here at Ohio State, when it comes to our starting quarterback, we've been incredibly spoiled these last 20 years. And we've, we've come accustomed to four to five touchdowns a game, 300 yards through the air, a couple hundred or a couple hundred, you know, close to a hundred on the ground sometimes, especially in a big game from our quarterback, from the, from the guy under center. And the crazy thing about this year is we had those expectations for Justin and he's exceeded them in nearly every sure. category. So for me, if he can literally, you know, let's say we have, we have four games left on the regular season calendar. Let's say that we play three of those four, I think, as is, is a, a knock on wood, is a safe estimate. If he puts up four to five touchdowns a game, 300 through the air, and in these big rivalry games, he's getting about 100 yards on the ground and maybe a touchdown on the ground, I don't know how you can't give it to him. Because, well, go ahead. I would say just another thing on top of that is that um, to, to the dismay of Trevor, for the games that he was, you know, DQ'd from, 
the closeness of those games, I don't think was because Trevor wasn't the quarterback. They still had a great backup quarterback. I think that's, that speaks to the Heisman race also is that how important are you to the system? And when he got to, you know, he gets COVID and it shows that the team's still firing on almost all cylinders without him. I think that helps Justin's case. I don't know. I would definitely agree. And some of that will probably rely on the rematch between, or I would say the predicted rematch between Notre Dame and Clemson when Trevor Lawrence is, you know, at least we can say that we think he'll be back for that game when the ACC has their championship because the Heisman dates have all been moved back this year due to COVID. And you'll actually, which I think is a terrific thing. And I hope that the NCAA sticks with that in the seasons to come because the Heisman voters will actually get to see the championship games, which, you know, for those of you who are voting on a Heisman, you know, your best players are going to perform at their best in the, in the best situations. Right. So when, when you need them in my mind, at least for a Heisman winner, that's when they come through. So and actually, I, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't say that without knowing it. I don't know when the votes are casted this year, but I do know the the finalist um, name calling and the presentation have both been moved back by about uh, three weeks to be closer to the national championship and bowl game dates. So anyway, exciting news to come. I think Justin Fields is going to have an awesome rest of the season if he is able to do anything like he's been doing so far. Uh, and I don't think we could ask for that much more out of him. Um, before, before we get into this week's breakdown for the game, Adam, wanted to talk a little bit about that team up North, the, the blue, the yellow, the maze, whatever you want to call it. I don't think by anyone's standards, you could classify the season so far as anything but a disappointment. Uh, if you are a fan of any kind of the blue and yellow team in the state of North, um, what are the next steps? Like, what what do you see on the on the on the sun on the horizon uh, for that program? And then on top of that, what do you see on the horizon for Harbaugh? Well, I think public consensus is that Harbaugh's got to be on his way out. But um, I heard from an insider at the Michigan program from Harbaugh to him. He said, "You know, we we were on the we were in the works of negotiating a contract renewal back in March, and then." COVID hits and they put it, you know, obviously they put it on the back burner because there's bigger things to worry about, but you just got to wonder if, if a season like this isn't enough to get a coach out of there, what is, I mean, if Michigan really believes that this is a guy and there's no one else that can do any better than starting out uh, one and three in you know, the conference, I don't know what you're supposed to do. They're fourth in the big 10 East, you know, their only win is against a dumpster fire of a Minnesota program that was supposed to be on the rise. I, I don't if, know, right? If Harbaugh's on his way out, where where is he going? If I'm Harbaugh, I had a limited amount of success in the NFL because it's less work. I'd probably do that. <laughs> any, do t- any teams for you, do you think, off the top of your head? You could see Jim teams to the, in the NFL? Yeah. I, I I haven't the foggiest. I <laughs> maybe back to the 49ers. I, I mean, I am much more of a college football guy than the NFL. So, no, that's no knock on you know. there. And, and Shanahan's doing a fine job there at the 49ers, but I'm not sure who the, um, you know, kind of the landing spots for him would be. But no, I, I definitely have to agree with you. And I think it all comes down to if you are a university of that team up north, that school up north um, fan, what are your expectations? for your football program. 
are your expectations to be competitive with the lower half of the Big Ten? Or are you trying to compete for Big Ten championships every year? And if it's the second, this is not your guy. I don't want to blame Jim for this because the biggest problem for him, I think, is that, number one, your first three to four years as a head coach in college football are by far your most important when it comes to setting the tone for a program. Sure. And no one wants – no one – I don't – this is me as an Ohio State fan. No one can argue that he had that team on the upswing for the first three to four years. The problem comes in when you see the, the, the opponent he was facing at the other side of the top of the conference in Urban Meyer, who I don't think you can describe in any other way as a head coach for Ohio State other than the Wolverine Slayer going 7-0. and and, you know, you had that one overtime game where literally JT was inches away from losing the game. And, and those, those fans will dispute the, the ruling on the field. But, you know, the, the writing is on the, – the, the play is over, right? The game happened. And at that point, you're 7-0 and as Urban Meyer, you retire. And, and Jim's never done it. He's never met that mountaintop. So, in my opinion, unless he does, even this year, in this weird year with them having a bad team – who gets blown out in the second halves of games because they don't have any bite when it comes to having pride for their program, which does stem from coaching. But it, even if they were to pull off a miraculous upset at the end of the season against Ohio State, I still think Jim's on his way out because at that point he can say that he did it and at least leave in that way. So anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack us with that. No, you're good. Totally. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, just completely disappointed in, in, in the performance of that team. Especially, I mean, last week, they're under the lights. The whole country is watching them. And they, they lay what is absolutely one of the most embarrassing performances from a top team in this conference in recent memory. I mean, absolutely no fight. And they get blown out of the water by a pretty good Wisconsin team. I mean, I'll give them that. But Michigan has the players. I just said it. They have the players. Well, it's not the to... team that only played one game before that, right? Exactly, exactly. So we'll leave it there and we'll move on to Indiana. But I'm, I'm just bitterly disappointed as an Ohio State fan. I think it's going to be a bad game this year. Their corners are horrible, which is the best part of our offense, which is just, just decapitating defenses by going over the top and cutting routes through the middle with our you know, crazy, talented wide receivers. But that's another conversation for another day. Right. I, I, stood, I stood at the fence of – Dodge's big noon kickoff in Ann Arbor meat chicken last November next to uh, Abram Zinnenbauer, you know, pioneer lover, and Alexander Esquire. They were next to me at the big noon kickoff, and I listened to Charles Woodson explain why this was the year. I had two seven-year-old meat chicken fans screaming in my ear, this is it, Ohio State's going to go down. Which to then I turned to these children and I said, you've never seen a win, which is true. These kids <laughs> have not been alive for a meat chicken victory over Ohio State. I, I think it's, uh, it's, they're brainwashed. They've been drinking too much of the hardball milk, if you will. Yeah, all right. You wanted to move on. We'll move on from there. I, just, I don't know. Completely on the same page. Now, going into this week, Adam, huge matchup. Literally, I, I, I said it as a joke at the beginning. But, you know, you and I had it. I don't think anyone else had it at the beginning of the season. Indiana versus Ohio State, a top 10 matchup. Top 10 Let's big go. contenders. The Hoosiers. Um, the Hoosiers. Uh, we are, we're traveling over to Bloomington to take on those candy stripers. Um, Buckeyes, I believe, favored by two touch or three touchdowns the last time I checked. 
Uh, Adam, initial thoughts on this game. I know we've got a top 10 matchup here. Actually, just to be clear, Indiana is top 10, right? We're ranked 10th. 10th, exactly. They're ninth on ESPN. Ninth on ESPN. Ninth on ESPN. Gotcha. I worry that uh, much like Hitler viewed Russia in World War II, we're looking at a paper tiger. You know, merely kick the door and and the entire structure will collapse. I think that's what we see in Indiana here. They've got two, in quotes, great wins over, you know, blue chip programs. But Michigan and Penn State have had terrible years. I think Ohio State broke Penn State's will after the loss. I think Meat Chicken thought they were the hot stuff at Minnesota, and then they get they get the biggest upset of the season so far by Michigan State. And uh, I think the passion is out of those two programs, which uh, – and credit to Indiana for the overtime win against Penn State. But I just – I think on paper they look good, but I think this might be an exposing game for them. What do you think? Um. I agree with a lot of every a lot of things you said. I think that uh, the point spread at twenty one or twenty and a half points is going to be in play, depending on what the first half looks like. You know, if the Buckeyes get up by three touchdowns, I'm afraid we might see a performance like we did, excuse me, against Rutgers uh, when it comes to the defense letting up some points. But the the thing is, the issue that the Buckeyes are going to have is that Penix Jr., the quarterback there for Indiana. He, he lets go of the ball very quickly, and that is definitely intentional, right? Indiana's not getting four- and five-star offensive linemen recruits. You know, their line has played well, and I've watched a couple of their games, but the titan of their offense is Pennix. He's, he's terrific in the way that he gets rid of the ball very quickly. And, you know, obviously the biggest, uh, the biggest weapon for a quarterback who releases the ball quickly are receivers who are going to catch it. And you know, when you get into their receiving room, it's been said like pretty openly by quite a few folks um, that I've seen, you know, writing about Indiana, that this is maybe the best batch of wide receivers that they've had. I can't even say their leading receiver's name. It's Fry, Fry, Fry Fogel, I think is how you say it. Um, Fry Fogel. Yeah. He's got 424 yards and four touchdowns this season. He's got, you know, Garrett Wilson, who's our number one guy, beat by about 100 yards. But that's just the amount of times they're going through the air. And a, uh, and a game. And a game. That's true. That, that's true. And a game. Um, but, you know, Indiana on offense, definitely some stout wide receivers and a pretty good quarterback. I cannot wait to see how our secondary matches up against some real players. And uh, hopefully – we can see a little bit of a coming out party again for the, uh, the defensive, uh, uh, defensive ends when it comes to getting some pressure on this quarterback who likes to get the ball out pretty quick. If he's able to slice us up and get a lot of passes, you know, through the air, even if they're short passes, I worry that Indiana is going to be able to put up, you know, some points on us. Now, the flip side of that is I know I'm 100% positive that this Buckeye offense is better than that Indiana defense. So, which is something I think I'm going to be able to say for almost every game this year. So as far as putting points up, I think that there, there, there's the potential for a lot of points. The over under is at 66 and a half right now. I kind of like the over, but I, I like Ohio state uh, with the point or uh, laying down the points a lot more. Um, we can give our final predictions when we get to picks later, but what, what do you see playing out on Saturday? I think, in the, I think this is something Buckeye fans have been waiting for, for, for <laughs> this shortened, you know, chance of a not season, then a season happening is that Sean Wade's going to have a coming out party. I think we're going to see an NFL prospect, an NFL 
potential starter come out and just uh, put a hurting on whoever he's paired up against. I think these quick passes are going to lead themselves potentially to some interceptions. I think Marcus or uh, I'm sorry, not Marcus Hooker. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you got it. Yeah. Yeah, Marcus Hooker. brother Yeah, yeah, Malik. Sean and Marcus are going to have a coming out party. I think one, if not both, are going to have interceptions. I think with the pressure, we've got Tommy Togiai at defensive tackle. I mean, who would have guessed that going into the season? Three sacks in a game. He's a phenomenal player. You know, Zach Harrison, you know, Alex Columbus, Ohio's own prodigal son. I think this would be a great game. I think we're going to see a lot of defensive players step up when they need to. What do you think? I love it. Uh, with that, I'm going to get us into lines for week five of Big Ten college football play. Um, to run through my week on my own two weeks ago, I went three and three. We don't really need to talk about it. It was my worst week uh, so far. But if you're spending money with me, you're still, at least last week you're breaking even, but overall you're making money. Adam, you're kind of flying under the radar with how poor of a performance you've had so far. Would you like to defend Is that fair? <laughs> Is that fair? I believe I'm 500. I believe you're, I'm 500. You're, you were four and two in week two and you were three and four in week one. So, so 500. Okay. Um, going in. Okay. So going into this week, Adam, I'm just going to list them. You tell me who you got Purdue versus Minnesota, Minnesota laying, or uh, I'm sorry, Purdue favored by three points. Adam. Purdue. Okay. I'm also taking Purdue. Um, Illinois versus Nebraska. Nebraska favored by 15 and a half. Nebraska, easy. I, I would take them at 20. I've also got Nebraska. Uh, Michigan State traveling to Maryland. Maryland favored six and a half. I think Maryland. I think it's more than that. I think these lines are too close. Maryland. I don't like this because I'm with you on each of these. Uh, Iowa versus Penn State. Penn State. Uh, <laughs> Penn State dogs at home. Uh, <laughs> give, giving up two and a half points to Iowa. I like Iowa. I think Penn State's broken. Gosh, I'm gonna. I just to We're switch. Right I'm gonna do Penn State. I'm gonna do Penn State. Hopefully, they get things together at home. We'll see what happens. We need it for for the strength of schedule. Um, Wisconsin sure. traveling to Northwestern and Chicago, the Windy City, Northwestern giving up seven and a half, po- or I'm sorry, uh, Wisconsin favored by seven. Right. You got Wisconsin. Wisconsin playing seven and a half. Yep. I've got Wisconsin easily. I think they're going to win this game running away with it. I do too. Uh, that team up north traveling to New Jersey to take on the Fighting Scarlet Knights. Uh, <laughs> that, that team up north favored, or laying, I'm sorry, laying 10 points. I'm taking Rutgers. <laughs> Adam's taking Rutgers. And I'm taking Rutgers. Don't give me the points. Don't give me the points. Sprinkle the money line. Sprinkle the money line. Rutgers outright. That team up north is broken. Greg Schiano's going to get a win over that team up north. Write it down. I don't need the points. Um, and then uh, final game of the week for the picks, Adam. Ohio State traveling to Bloomington. 20 and a half points is the line we've got for the show. What do you got? I got to go with what my predictions were. It's a defensive coming out party. I think we win big. Ohio State's passing uh, attack continues, maybe even establishes a good running game. Give me a, give me a point uh, prediction, score prediction. 
Prediction, I'm going to say Ohio State. Can you do your first if I do some math? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm also rolling with Ohio State here. I like them by more than three touchdowns. Uh, you can uh, – my pick's going to be Ohio State 45, uh, Indiana 17. Okay, I like Ohio State. Ohio State, uh, 40, 48, Indiana, 24. Okay. Adam, closing comments to end the show with. I just – I want everybody to be thankful that we're getting another Ohio State game this Saturday. Um, practice social distancing if you're around uh, – those that have COVID, if not, don't worry about it. Uh, go Bucks. Okay. What you got? No, that sounds good. Uh, for the folks at home, I hope you take last week as kind of a gut check when it comes to the privilege, which is getting to watch Ohio State football. It's a highlight for me every year. It's a reason that I do this podcast as a hobby for fun. Um, thank you for listening. We couldn't appreciate your support anymore. If you have any feedback for us, please put it in the comments or reach out to me individually. Uh, and once again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the silver bullet bullet oh, yeah.